0: you out. What's going on with Squarespace? Why? What's happening with Squarespace? Like, all of our episodes are getting posted early. I noticed that this it's week. It's very weird. It happened last week, too. I think maybe there was an update, oh. and there's a new toggle. Because, like, I hit... They say the correct date on... Apple Podcasts and Spotify and whatever. And thank you to people who reached out and were like, "Um, your episode's up early." People are <laughs> like, "I don't
1: know what's going on," but it's like, "I don't even know what I'm drinking yet in this yeah. episode."
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just it was
1: really weird
0: because it the date is correct, but I think there must be a toggle because okay. usually I would. I, hit mean, I don't save, know what toggle means. Like but one of those things that back and forth, like on off, on the screen. Oh, it, okay. Mm-hmm. There must be something I'm missing because. I used to put the date in and that's the day it would go up. Right. Time. Yeah. And now it's like I hit save and it goes up and then tells you the other date and time.
1: That's so it's weird. so weird. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I'm going to figure it out, everybody. But for the okay. last two weeks, you're welcome. You got us on Monday. Don't worry. Allie's going to spend her birthday next week <laughs> web sleuthing and trying to figure
0: out <laughs> Otherwise, you're just going to listen to <laughs> us whenever the fuck we whenever ever Whenever it goes up.
1: Because <laughs> that's what's going to happen. We have a new patron this week. <gasps> Woo! My- Monica! Monica! Welcome! Oh, what a great community you're in. That means you get to hang out with us after the episode yeah. for dessert cocktails, as I just decided to call it in this moment.
0: Ooh. <laughs> uh, and I'm sending out our, like, Thanksgiving stickers this Yay. week to everybody just to thank the uh, patrons for being loyal supporters. Yes. We love you. Oh,
1: you are so wonderful and are so forgiving of all of our... Woefully awful. (laughs) Misgivings and drunken rambling.
0: (laughs) It's perfect. But we're not here to talk
1: about you. We're here to talk to you about her (laughs) story on the rocks with Katie and Allie. This is a podcast where we talk about famous women in history. We talk about good women and bad women
0: and fictional women and non-fictional women from all times and places because women have nuance
1: but keep in mind we are drinking the entire time and we are not historians (laughs) we click we google we listen
0: and then we just deliver we regurgitate really the information
1: right on back to you (laughs) mine is basically reading the wikipedia page (laughs) listen
0: you could do it better than like sometimes when you click on those youtube videos and it's the computer robot reading wikipedia how fun would that be if we did that That one
1: That would be wonderful. (laughs) It
0: would be much easier than our normal (laughs) task of chores. (laughs)
1: So, but before we get into the stories of these women, which are incredible, uh, we want to describe what they look like to you because you're really busy. You're brining a turkey right now. Yes. Already. I mean, oh, yeah, today. Today. <laughs> yeah, the, today when this releases is Thanksgiving. You're so, yes. You're brining your turkey. You're brining it. You're Macy's under the Day skin. Parade
0: mm. on in the background.
1: Can't wait. Cried like a baby last year at it. Oh, mm. Perfect. Okay. Outroker, so, saying something ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> we're friends um so you're busy your skin your hand is literally in between the skin and the whatever of the turkey i don't even know what's going on there skin and the meat um and (laughs) (laughs) but you can't touch your phone after that because you'll get salmonella right it's disgusting so we're going to describe what these women look like for you we're going to get a little physical physical Allie, who are you doing, and what does she look like? I am doing the famous one-namer, Twiggy. Ah, Twiggy.
0: (laughs) Don't even know her real name. (laughs) You'll find out. Psych, they didn't say it. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Banned from the internet. (laughs) Twiggy. Uh... As her name obviously denotes was originally from her build and her appearance, and then she has these big eyes with these long eyelashes and this short pixie haircut. She became a British cultural icon who popularized the mod look mm-hmm. of the sixties, coming out from the big Hollywood era where women were a little bit like older and curvy and like almost. Glamorous. They're glamorous. That's the word I'm looking for. Twiggy was a teenager with no breasts or curves to speak of. Her nails were bitten down to the stumps. Her shoulders and hips were bony. Her hair was cut like a boy, as everybody was saying at that time. And she is just like walking out of the shadows of proper American housewives who are in their like... Stetford outfits and she is in like a mini skirt the size of a handkerchief (laughs) and that's what twiggy looked like
1: i love it one of my favorite videos of twiggy is when she's singing or she's dancing to the song jimmy mac (laughs) and the guy who's talking about it goes could you could you dance for us she's like okay and she starts dancing she goes people say twiggy looks like a boy but she doesn't she's just lovely (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or something like that it's the cues video <laughs> it's like she's so delicious yeah absolutely scrumptious <laughs> uh. <laughs> oh twigs okay who are so... you doing and what does she look like <laughs> i am doing hazel ying lee she was a Chinese-American woman who had a round face with kind of long features, and she has a kind of very like serious expression if she is having her official you know, military picture taken. But when she's just around her airplane hanging out, her face is completely lit up. She loves airplanes. She loves to fly, and that just gives you a glimpse into how fun and funny. She was like, if you just look at like her, the main picture of her, you'd be like, wow, that lady looks like so mean, not that much fun, (laughs) you know, like a real wet blanket. She had a resting bitch face. Yeah, she did. Like She really did. And, but like, apparently she was the most fun girl in the wasps. Like everybody loved her. Uh, Her black hair was often kind of pulled up and back, but with a um, side part um, or it was under a leather pilot's cap. I don't know if she was tall, but she just kind of appears to have a tall spirit. Ooh, tall girl um, vibes. Just tall girl vibes. Kind of like how Carmen Miranda was like four <laughs> foot eight, but right. she looks six, ten. Like that's how I feel about her. I don't know if she was tall or not, but she just exudes tallness. <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> okay. Okay. Gosh. So.
1: Do you want to know what you're about to drink? Mhm. Okay. It
0: looks super cute. It's almost like margarita, but with yes. like a little fall vibes.
1: <laughs> so, this is called Tequila Wasp.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. She was so That's funny. <laughs> um, so you know, there's a restaurant in Ocean City called Tequila Mockingbird I and I love that. And I think that. that's hysterical. It's so wonderful. It's wonderful. <laughs> this is uh,
1: I found a recipe cocktail recipe called Tequila Mockingbird and okay. I based it off of this but I tweaked it okay. to um Perfect. For bees. Um, okay.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. I was shocked by that. Okay. Go
1: ahead. Okay. So it is an ounce and a half of tequila, um, juice from a whole lime, honey, uh, Angostura bitters and, um, liqueur 43. Mm. Uh, you shake that all up. You pour it into a glass and you rim the glass with, um, lime and chili powder salt. <laughs>
0: so cheers. cheers.
1: Mm. Mm. me and tequila it has been a while it has been a while that's why i was like also like this kind of works out because i've been really hankering for a a tequila cocktail it's funny the
0: last couple of weeks i was like i want to use tequila but it just didn't fit the women so yeah. i just like
1: didn't want to force it yeah. but yeah. i love this oh actually i'm sorry i didn't use Angostura bitters i used grapefruit bitters hopped grapefruit bitters <laughs> what a difference sorry everybody <laughs> um but yeah i like it because you're like oh there's tequila but like the the Liqueur 43 is kind of overpowering the lime, so you're not getting, like, that classic margarita taste. You get the salted rim, though, and I love you it. You get a salted rim and a little bit of chili powder because I feel like Hazel's got a bit of a kick to you her. You think she's spicy? I do. A little spicy. <gasps> so, oh. Allie, what do you know about Hazel Yingli?
0: So, the only pictures I've ever seen of her are black and white. Mm-hmm. And you said wasps, so I'm thinking World War Two. Mm-hmm. And she's a pilot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is all from what you just said. Mm -hmm. And I believe that she's Asian American. Is that correct? Yeah, she's Chinese American. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And other than that, I don't know her story. I did when I was at the... Um, air and space museum. There's this great section with like the wasp uniform Mm -hmm. and like a lot of other cute things, but I don't know anything specifically about the individual women who were a part of that. So I'm really excited to learn about Hazel. Is this our first Hazel?
1: I think so, which is a name that I absolutely love.
0: Yeah. It's, it should come back. I feel like it's, it's on track to come back. I'm going to call
1: seven years or under. Mm, I like Mm it. I like it. We'll see if this podcast exists then <laughs> and then we'll
0: track it.
1: All right. So I got most of this from obviously the Wikipedia article about her, but then there was a great um, article written by a woman named Kali Martin uh, on the World War Two Museum website. Um, and then I listened to um, the podcast Good Witches, Bad Bitches. Uh, they did a good episode on her. Um, and they also did, um, they kind of combined her story and Catherine Chung's story, who Catherine Chung was like, like, even she got her pilot's license like even before Hazel did. Okay, um, so she is really really cool. So we'll do her one day as well. Um, okay, Hazel Ying Lee was born on August twelfth, nineteen twelve, in Portland, Oregon. Her parents were Yuet Li and Shilan Wong, and they had immigrated to the U.S. from Taishan, uh, Guangdong, China. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. I meant to. Uh, do pronunciation like really guide like do pronunciation guide for myself? Yeah. Uh, and then it took me three hours to get home the other day. Yeah, so I didn't because <laughs> hey, they listen. shut the highway down. You did your best. People um, correct us online. We'll be fine yeah. with it. So, Let us know. they owned a Chinese restaurant in Old Chinatown in Portland and had a pretty successful business, even while raising eight. Children, Damn. eight children uh despite obviously dealing with a good bit of anti-asian sentiments at the time hazel lived an incredibly full life Great. she was always doing some kind of activity she loved swimming playing handball and playing cards with friends she was really popular and people just described her as vibrant and funny um, when she was in high school, she learned how to drive, which I feel like wasn't super common for girls in general. So that's pretty cool.
0: No, yeah, because if she was born in 1912, she's in high school in what
1: the 20s. The this, 20s. Yeah, she graduated yeah. in 1929.
0: Yeah. And like in Portland, so <laughs> yeah. like. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so she graduated from Commerce High School and quickly found work as an elevator operator in a department store in downtown Portland. Perfect. Which uh, is so cute. And just imagining her with like one of those little caps. Oh my gosh. And a red um, jacket. Mm-hmm. She's just dinging that little bell and like closing mm-hmm.
0: that gate. Yes. Exactly.
1: Uh But this is one of the very few jobs that Chinese American women could fi- like find at the time. Oh,
0: interesting. Is it because it's like a service job mm-hmm. and like yeah. a department store is like, oh, there's going to be
1: wealthy, yeah. like white american families here yeah okay Mm -hmm.
0: or canadian i guess if you're in portland as well
1: yeah could be um so she's digging that bell in the opera and the whatever what was that elevator yeah Mm. (laughs) she's doing that she's making some money um but when she's 19 years old her life changes A friend is like, you should go to this flying show with me. I have an extra ticket and I have like a pass for us to go up in a plane. And Hazel's like, yeah, absolutely. I really want to do that. She goes up in this plane for the first time ever at this air show and she totally gets the bug. She decides that that day that she is going to learn how to fly a plane no matter what. So she joins the Chinese Flying Club of Portland and took flying lessons with famed aviator Al Greenwood. So this was a club that was supported um, by this group called the Chinese Benevolent Society. Um, so they also helped Catherine Chung buy her own plane. So I think, it from what I understand, it was just like a group of like Chinese people living in America who like had some money and wanted to help other like Chinese people living in America, like live their dreams from what I understand of it. It sounded pretty cool. Um, but Hazel and Catherine both benefited from this society. That's interesting. Have you ever done something one day and then been like, this is it
0: like that? Like she Mm. got on that plane and was like, I want to fly planes. I don't think I've ever had a passion like that where like I did something and I was like, okay,
1: I'm down. I think the only thing that that really happened to me too was, um, climbing. Okay. Like, When I first went to the climbing gym, it was like, you know, Casey had like kind of taken me once or twice, but then, and like, I always kind of thought about it, you know? And then I decided one night when I was in high school, I was like, I'm just going to drive myself. I was like, I have a car okay, and I drove myself, which was like, I mean, this is, I had to get on like the highway and like, I wasn't used to that. I was used to like driving to school and back and I just like made the decision. I went and it was great. And I was like only purchasing day passes for like months. And I was like, this is financially irresponsible. (laughs) Um, and yeah, and I got myself a membership and yeah, that was like the first time I had really like started something totally brand new for me and like really didn't want to stop. You Interesting. Know. I think yeah. mine
0: might be podcasting. Yeah. I love talking. I mean yeah. I do it all literally all day. Yeah. I teach yeah. and then I podcast. <laughs> I'm a bit, you can pay me to give a toast at your yeah. wedding. I do she eulogies. Does a very good job. I do eulogies.
1: I'm really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway,
0: go ahead. Yes, yes, um,
1: yes. So yes, so she really wants to fly. And her mother is not so pleased with all of this. She goes, "Uh, it's way too dangerous, and it's a huge waste of money." <laughs> She's like, "What can you even do with a flying license? Like really? a pilot's license? Really? Like what? Or you can't even get like a regular job. You think you're going to become a professional pilot? Like, yeah, you're like an Asian woman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But for Hazel, it was definitely worth it. Good for her because it combined two things that really excited her: danger." And the idea of some doing something so new and so bold for a young Chinese woman. Because it also like one of like an author, I think her name was um Judy Young was talking about how like this act also pushed against the the stereotype that like Chinese women are just like passive, you know? Like she was like, No, this was like pushing against this, saying that like Chinese women are here and they're doing what they fucking want. You know, like they're not just here to like be wives and mothers and whatever, you know, like work in the service
0: industry. Yeah, exactly. Like listen to
1: what you tell them to do. Mm-hmm. So in October 1932, she became one of the first Chinese American women to earn her pilot's license. Uh, in 1933, Japan invaded Manchuria, China. And many Chinese residents in the U.S. decided that it was their duty to kind of go back and help because the Republic of China Air Force really needed pilots. And Hazel was like, yeah, I'm from Chinese descent. I can fly a plane. Let's do this. So soon she joined a squadron of volunteers training in Portland to go to China. And this is where she met Clifford Louis-Ying Chung, um, a fellow pilot who would later become her. Husband. Aww. So they trained together, went to China together to help with the war effort. But when Hazel got there, the military turned her down. Ugh! Even though she, like, they desperately needed more pilots and she really wanted to fly and she was really good at it. They were like, nope, you're a woman you can't fly.
0: And like at this point, Japan has taken over like all of Southeastern Asia. Yeah. Like Like, it's getting serious. If you guys need all the help, you. it's a
1: really big deal. Yeah. So she was forced to take a desk job, uh, but she did get to fly occasionally for a commercial airline company. Um, but it wasn't what she went there to do in 1937. The Japan, uh, Japan invaded China again, and this time Hazel was present for the attack because when she went over to help, she stayed, even though she wasn 't doing what she wanted to. Oh, interesting, and so she had learned the language from her parents, mm-hmm. even though she was born and raised in the United yeah. States. okay mm-hmm. interesting uh, I believe they spoke Cantonese okay um so she is in this village. bombs are falling from the sky, and Hazel just works really quickly to get everyone in the town. Um, that she was staying in to safety like friends family neighbors like she is gathering everyone and just telling them like okay you need to go there you need to go there her friends later said she was so calm throughout the whole attack that she was able to successfully find everyone's shelter and everyone in that area survived because of her that's incredible an actual hero i would feel so bossy
0: yeah if i was doing that
1: I mean, I feel like she was like, I don't care if you think I'm bossy. You need to do exactly what I'm telling you if you want to survive. And that's what we need. Yes, in, exactly. In, in human people. hmm Human women people. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so she does this and she's like, okay, they obviously are like, things are getting out of hand and uh, she applies again to be a pilot for the Chinese Air Force and they deny her again. So she's like, Okay. Uh, She ends up going to Hong Kong because her little village was bombed and she is now a refugee. Um, And then the next year in 1938, she did finally uh, find a way to to return to the United States. Uh, She found work with a Chinese organization in New York, which bought war materials for China, which is interesting. Uh, In 1941, uh, the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor and America was officially entrenched in World War II. And after years of this horrible war, taking many lives, uh, including, of course, many pilots' lives... The military decided that they needed to start looking uh, for other kinds of pilots. So I have a question:
0: Did mm-hmm. anything happen to her parents and siblings living in Portland? Like, did they end up in not that
1: I know prison of. camps?
0: Okay. No, because
1: they were Chinese, not Japanese. Um, so even I like though they just like took all the Asian people, yeah. like
0: or Eastern Asian
1: people, I feel yeah. like they were
0: not caring.
1: <laughs> yeah, there wasn't much information. Um, but it did. I did see one source that said that her sister, one of her sisters, and her mom were in Hong Kong with her. So I don't know if part of her family came back and part of them stayed in portland it wasn't super clear oh interesting um but but yeah it, d- it also didn't say anything about them you know going into the concentration camps or anything because i we actually have a story later about someone thinking that hazel is japanese when she isn't so there mm. was a lot of that going around oh. um, but and did she
0: face discrimination that you know of in china for being like american-born chinese not that
1: i know of not
0: that i've read yeah i um, didn't even learn that that was a thing until i read crazy rich asians yeah. where they were like oh but yeah you're chinese but you're american born chinese that's different
1: yeah yeah the only time i experienced that was with uh, my friend kavya in india cuz she was indian but she was you know born and raised in america and she like didn't speak the language and right. like people treated her super weird especially cuz they'd like walk up to her and like start speaking to her and she's like i don't know what you're saying Like, they thought that she was, like, our tour guide, even though she was just, like, hanging out with us.
0: I honestly wonder what, how how it must feel to never feel belonging. Like, the way that people who are treated in two
1: separate countries as if they're an outsider. Yeah. That's so tragic. Yeah. Well, I think, um... Matt Potts from Harry Potter and the Sacred Test Text talks about that. Oh, because you know? he's Japanese-American, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, he's uh, half Japanese, and he, like, went to Japan being like, yeah, I'm going to, like, really feel at home here. And then he's like, I didn't at all. Like, you know? And it's just, like, really difficult, like, trying to find, like, what home means to you, I think.
0: Right, especially, like, in a world where so many people move back and forth. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I mean,
0: we're talking about airplanes. Yeah. You know, like, right now, like, people can move Really, in 22
1: hours, I could be on the other side of the literal world. Yeah. no, exactly. So, she does end up coming back to the U.S. America is not doing super hot in the World War II. We're losing pilots left and right. They need (laughs) more people to fly planes. And they're like... I guess we'll let women fly planes. Um, So in 1943. Are you a warm body? mm -hmm. (laughs) Great. So in 1943, they reluctantly created the Women's Air Force Service Pilots. I think I add a lot of multiples in that. I think it's just Women Air Force Service Pilots. (laughs) The women, the Air Force, the pilots. Uh, That would be TWASP. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> under <What? laughs> wait stop i'm sorry what <laughs> <laughs> um under the command of famed aviator uh jacqueline cochran who i would love to do her to jacqueline Ugh. cochran i've heard like our list is ever growing um so hazel immediately applied for the program and was accepted into the training class 43 w4 making her the first chinese american woman accepted into wasp wow Soon, she arrived in Avenger Field in Sweetwater, Texas for an arduous six-month training program. Uh, but it was a great opportunity because she could finally fly for a living. But I'm actually
0: surprised yeah. that, that an Asian-American woman was in WASP at this time.
1: Yeah, me too. It makes me think that like she must have been such a good flyer that they like couldn't have denied her. Yeah, you know? like you
0: couldn't t- turn her down. Yeah. Or America was so desperate. Yeah. That's exactly (laughs) it.
1: So, um, but of course, the WASP program came with some caveats. They were paid through the civil service. So they were listed as civilians and not military personnel. So no military benefits were offered to them. Yeah. We didn't have military, like official women in combat until Vietnam. Yeah. And... uh, uh when they when the wasp pilots died in the line of duty no military funerals were allowed for them that's the, bullshit the families had to pay for all of it they were also given the least desirable missions basically the ones that the male pilots just didn't want to do it's like the firefighter getting the cat out of the tree yeah like think traveling to a really cold place in the winter in an open cockpit airplane Like, it's horrible. Uh, But Lee took to her training very well, uh, even though she did fall out of a plane once. Uh, (laughs) Listen, you lose lose some. (laughs) Let me tell you. Apparently, she was flying in an open cockpit plane when the pilot did an unexpected loop-de-loop, and her seatbelt was not fastened properly, and she literally fell out of the plane. I mean, number one, put your seatbelt on. What? <laughs> Don't fall out of the plane.
0: Did she have a parachute on? How did she survive? Obviously, yes, okay, okay, yes, okay, okay, yes.
1: Okay. She had a parachute on uh, and she floated down safely. So now she's a
0: paratrooper. Yes. Amazing.
1: But now she had to walk all the way back to base <laughs> with a parachute dragging behind oh, her. Oh, fun.
0: That's like Will Smith and Men in Black. Oh my gosh. Remember and when I, he punches that alien in the face? Yes, I do.
1: <laughs> um, still haven't seen Independence Day, but... But MIB, I've seen many times. Oh, my God. We need to start over. So she was seen as a our real- Our new podcast is yeah. a movie. It's a movie just, podcast. Of just, just Will Smith movies. You know what I would love? If it was just every week you trying to convince me to watch Independence Day. <laughs> <laughs> every week. Bill Pullman. This is my Ooh. first argument. Okay. He's the president. Armand Denton. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hazel was seen as a real leader of her training class. And she was beloved by- everyone they were just as quick to call her fast talking and hilarious as they were to call her calm and fearless Hmm. like please those four attributes are perfect like is she jesus right um she also made sure to teach her fellow wasps about chinese culture oh cute and she would do this really cute thing where she would give people nicknames and then write their nicknames in chinese characters on the tails of their planes in lipstick isn't that so cute? That is cute. <laughs> uh, and apparently, there's a guy who was like really rude to them. So she wrote "fat ass" in Chinese on the back of this airplane. <laughs> yes yes Yes, hazel we're here for it (laughs) bad ass get him Um, out of here she would also take her friends to chinese restaurants and just order a bunch of food for everyone (laughs) which like yes please she's like i want you i want you to try my culture she's richard gearing all these women (laughs) um (laughs) Oh my. And she would just order a whole bunch of food and like explain it and then sometimes be like, This dumplings overcooked or whatever it was. And like be like, I could make this better because apparently she was also an amazing cook and she would also cook for her female pilot friends. Oh my god. (laughs) She's wonderful.
0: She is wonderful. But I do literally hate going somewhere where someone else has to pay money. It like actually hurts. But everybody
1: was splitting the bill, I think.
0: Oh, so she's just she was just ordering. And they're all paying.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, because she could read the menu. Because she could read the menu. Got she it. could tell them what was good. You know, like yeah. she was being like, I'm going to get the stuff that I know you're going to like. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, but I'm like the type of person that
0: if I go to a restaurant, I feel guilty if anybody else has to take their wallet out. It yeah. It
1: hurts my soul. Yeah. I'm still feeling like I need to pay you back for Tio Pepe's. And that was like three years ago. Why would you ever...
0: <laughs> Ever feel like that? It's like literally Big the biggest <laughs> of my life. That I'm like, look at this money I somehow fell upon, <laughs> and then just throw it into the world.
1: I think about it on a regular basis. Oh okay,
0: <laughs> so, <laughs> not your bachelorette party, <laughs> Tia Not that it
1: was Tia <laughs> So, fellow Wasp pilot Sylvia Dom's Clayton and Clayton recalled. Hazel provided me with an opportunity to learn about a different culture at a time when I did not know about anything else. <gasps> she expanded my world and my outlook on life, which is so cool that, like, yeah, she was like, I'm going to share my culture with all of you. And they were down for it Isn't because that the pr- Hazel was, was that one? much fun. <laughs> so when she finished her training, she was assigned to the third ferrying group in uh, Romulus, Michigan. Their assignment was critical to the war effort. So they were delivering aircraft, which was being manufactured in this like converted automobile factory. Um, And it was like all being like shipped to Europe. Um, So because obviously that's where the war is like central of the war was. Um, And it was also being sent to the Pacific too. So she's like transporting planes right now. Uh, In a letter to her sister, Hazel described Romulus as a seven day work week with little time off. Like this is brutal. So
0: she's literally flying planes that were just
1: made into
0: zones. So men can fly them into battle. Yes. Got
1: it. Uh, but she was really eager and she was really good at her job saying, you know, whatever, as long as I can fly, I'll deliver anything. (laughs) Um, of course being a female pilot, let alone an Asian female pilot did have its drawbacks. Um, There was one time where Hazel had to make an emergency landing in a field in Kansas. And when the farmer came out to see what was going on and he saw Hazel, he grabbed his pitchfork and started chasing her around the farm, yelling to his neighbors that the Japanese were invading Kansas. I mean, is is it a house
0: (laughs) on a, on a twister? I don't know,
1: but she finally calmed him down enough to explain that she was Chinese, not Japanese and flying for the United States military. A crew came that night to repair her plane. And when she got back, she apparently had her friends just crying, laughing while telling this story because she was so animated while she was talking about it and just being like, isn't this guy so crazy? Which thankfully she was able to do because realistically, I'm sure it was kind of scary because if that farmer had a gun and not a pitchfork, it might have turned out a lot differently.
0: I mean, has Kansas changed? Really? Can can, (laughs) can any
1: of our Kansas listeners tell us if it's changed? (laughs) But it was one of those things like people said about her. They're like, even a really shitty situation, like Hazel could really turn it around, you know? So she continues making deliveries and whatnot for the military, uh, but her talent was so evident that they soon sent her for special training at Pursuit School in Brownsville, Texas. In September 1944, she became one of just over 130 WASP who trained to fly fighter planes like the P-51 Mustang and the P-63 King Cobra. I don't know what that means, but I'm sure my mom would. Sounds great. She's obsessed with planes, Uh, which was really exciting to her because she's like, yes, this is what I want to do. I want to fly fighter jets. Like, I don't want to be, like, she's like, I will deliver stuff, but, like, I would love to be in a fighter jet, like, actually in battle. Like, this is incredible. So she does this training. She's so excited. But the next month, they all got the message that at the end of the year, in December, the WASP program would be... Discontinued, which meant that she and all of these other female pilots who had trained so hard and worked so hard fighting for their country would just be out of a job. And again, they didn't have any, you know, veterans' benefits. So they would just have to go back to normal life. And she was just really upset because she was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to find another job as a pilot in general. And I just finished this fighter jet training, and I'm probably not going to be able to use it. She's upset about all this. She's exhausted from these long, grueling flights. And she had not heard from her husband in six months because he was flying planes somewhere in China. Actually in battle. So she's like, is he dead? I don't know, actually. In November 1944... Lee was given orders to pick up a P-63 King Cobra from the Bell Aircraft Factory in Niagara Falls, New York and fly it to Great Falls, Montana. Bad weather delays uh, halted the mission at Fargo, North Dakota. And on the morning of November 23rd, your birthday. (laughs)
0: Stop. Stop. That's my favorite date. Mm -hmm. Is something bad going to happen? Damn it.
1: Uh, The weather cleared, so she was allowed to leave Fargo. And this is when everything went wrong. So she leaves Fargo and she is getting ready to like descend upon Great Falls, Montana. And another group of P-63s was also incoming. Uh, and these planes were being flown by WASP and male U.S. Army Forces pilots. So there are a lot of planes trying to land in Montana at the same time. But one of those pilots, Jeff Russell, had been working without a radio for several several days. The radio broke in his airplane, so he couldn't communicate with mission control. Since he didn't mission control the flight tower, <laughs> I think mission control is a thing for I airplanes. Feel like a thing. So since he didn't have a radio to communicate with them, he had to rely on other pilots to tell the control t- tower about his predicament. Like before they went off, he goes, "Tell them that my plane doesn't have a radio." And they're like, okay, got it. So, like, the deal was, like, tell them I don't have one. I'll land first. So, they knew that someone was without a radio. But they lost track of which plane it was. So, him and Lee are both beginning the long, slow approach to the runway. Because Lee doesn't know anything about this.
0: Why doesn't somebody get on the or radio? Hazel.
1: So, Russell is above her and they're both attempting to land. Someone in the control tower noticed that the two aircrafts were too close and yelled, pull up into the radio. They didn't remember which pilot didn't have the radio. So Hazel heard the order. Russell did not. She pulled her aircraft up just as they had told her, and with no time to react and correct, she hit Russell's plane. Both aircrafts crashed at the end of the runway, bursting into flames. Pilots on the ground ran over to the wreck, pulling Russell out. Lee's aircraft was on fire, and she was trapped, burning badly. Ground crews were able to pull her from the aircraft, but her burns were really severe because her jacket was, they said it was smoldering, which kept the fire close to her body. They transported her to the hospital, but after fighting for her life for two days, Hazel Yingley passed away on november twenty fifth nineteen forty four at the age of thirty two oh. since the program was shutting down in just a few weeks, Hazel was officially the last wasp to die in the line of duty. Three days after the news of her death um, reached her family in Portland. The Lee family received word that her brother, Victor, who was in the U.S. Army in France, had also been killed in action. The family prepared to bury two of their children in a cemetery in Portland, which, which was unfortunately not without issue. First, since the Army informed them um, that, you know, she was a civilian, not technically a military person, they weren't going to help them with any of the expenses for Hazel's funeral. And this, again, was the case for the other 38 women and their families who had to suffer in the same situation. So um, she was one of 38 women who um, died in the WASP program. Then the Lee family wasn't allowed to bury their children in the area of the cemetery they picked because it was whites only. War hero status meant nothing in the face of anti-Chinese sentiment. The Lee family fought back and were able to bury the siblings side by side in Riverview Cemetery. But for over three decades after the war, members of the Wasp and their supporters attempted to secure military status for their women pilots. Like this isn't okay. They were part of. They were an important part of the war effort. And in March, it's like 9- you begged for. Yeah, exactly. And in March 1977, following the United States congressional approval of public law 95202, the efforts of the Women Air Force Service pilots were finally recognized and military status was finally granted. In 2010, she and all other WASP pilots, whether living, deceased, or killed during the war, received the Congressional Gold Medal. And in 2004, Hazel Lee was inducted into Oregon's Aviation Hall of Honor, a fraternity of native Oregonians who made historic contributions to aviation. And that's the short story of Hazel.
0: I'm, like, really happy for her. Like, I know it happened after her life that she got this, like, these honors, but I, it's, like, her life ended before she had to deal with the fight for the honors. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it sucks for her family that that was not the case, but it is really nice that she is now buried with honors as a military person
1: in the United
0: States. Like,
1: because she was, yeah, she was. Um, I don't know. I also just, I'm like the story of like how she died is so tragic because like, I don't know. It was like it's, it's such a miscommunication. It's such a miscommunication. And you can't
0: do that when you're in a career like air traffic
1: control. Yeah, exactly. Like it just sucked. Like, ugh. So, but yes, yeah, so that's the story of Hazel. She was a really cool lady, and yeah, definitely just an unnecessary death in and the war.
0: Way too young to yeah. like leave us. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Like right. I just feel like she was on track to do so much more. Right. Like I feel like she was one of those like women who like would have gone on to like be like a senator or something mm-hmm. like someone who was like oh, for sure i'm gonna like make change because like i want to like like a patsy mink someone who was yeah. like i wasn't allowed to do these things so like so i'm gonna make sure other girls can <laughs> exactly right so that's just the vibe i guess from hazel she's He's awesome all. <laughs> He's all. all right well we're gonna take a break and get some more drinks and we'll be right back with some twiggy Twiggy <laughs> We're back. Back. Part two. We're in the swinging 60s. I'm very excited. It's going to be <laughs> so
0: much fun. I'm a big Twiggy fan. Me too. A big Twiggy fan. So first, let's talk about this drink. Do you want to yes, know what you're drinking? I do. So I looked up really popular drinks from the 60s and then uh-huh. kind of changed them up. This is a gin fizz. Ooh. And it traditionally... Has or what I put in it is an ounce of regular gin, uh-huh. and then an ounce of slow gin, which I didn't know what that was uh-huh. when I looked it up. Slow gin is spelled S L O E. It was really easy to find in the liquor store. Mm-hmm. But it's just like gin that's been in a barrel with, I think, blueberries. I Mm -hmm. couldn't find a good description. But the drink is really, really pink. Yes, it is. And (laughs) I didn't put anything in it except for the slow gin. Perfect. That's the color of it. So it's an ounce of gin, an ounce of slow gin, some lemon juice, and some champagne. I love it. And then some lime. Cheers. Oh, no, I meant lemon juice. And a lime on top. Ooh,
1: it's very tasty
0: it's pretty much gin gin and champagne
1: it is a lot more herbal than i thought it would be so i don't know I'm, what else i don't know in it i looked really hard katie i looked
0: on like youtube videos like what is slow gin what are they putting slow gin and everybody just kept being
1: like oh they put it in a barrel so i wonder if it's the brand i don't know but i was expecting this Fruity. to be a sticky sweet fruit fruity cocktail and it is not (laughs) it's shockingly earthy and just really beautiful and fizzy and I actually really enjoy this and it's it's also
0: like bright pink enough that it like looks like it's gonna be a very like an orange crush
1: yeah and it's not no it's not it's very herby um yeah I really like it yeah a lot of flavors that i wasn't expecting going on in here
0: (laughs) so now we have a whole bottle of slow gin that we can use whenever whenever we
1: we want want. (laughs) until it runs out british cocktails are gonna get a kick in the pants wow (sighs) so tell me
0: what it is
1: that you know about
0: twiggy iggy iggy
1: Okay, I know her eyelashes were insane. <laughs> um, I know that she like defined the mod era. She was a fashion model. Um, she was super tiny. <laughs> um, and then I know later on, um, she was a judge on America's Next Top Model. And TM Bitches Which was that show I love so much. It is so insane. It's great. It, I, mm, that and Project I, Runway should be the only reality shows that ever existed. I agree. I love America's Next Top Model so much because it is so problematic. Those girls <laughs> are like put in like cages. Like they're beautiful, like LA houses, but like, they're like in like bunk beds together like especially like in the earlier <laughs> seasons. It's, crazy. Like,
0: it's crazy it's crazy bananas Listen, um
1: tyra tyra oh god and like 50 cent like push that awful girl into the pool and like just there's been so much drama on that show and i love it and i'm here for it what about that season with the
0: girl that it had female genital mutilation yes there was like a serious uh, season. I feel like her
1: name was like Fatima or something. Yeah, she was great. Yeah, she was wonderful. She was so beautiful. And I remember like there was like this scene where like people were like talking about stuff, and she was like feeling really uncomfortable yeah, because and she was like, like, "I nobody don't. Nobody knows that this has happened to me. Yeah, this is terrible." Um, but yeah, what a awful, awful great show. I learned um, so much from it. <laughs> I learned, but yeah, Twiggy was one of the judges. Yeah, she was. Her and uh, Polina Poroshkova and what was it Janice? What was her name? Girl. Damn. My brain from that time period is fried. Yeah. I just, I mainly watched it. There was one summer where I was uh, bedridden with kidney stones. <laughs> <laughs> and I watched that show nonstop.
0: Uh, <laughs> I had like a serious conversation with producer like a week ago and was like, I think all this drinking has brought on an early onset of I am, I have dementia.
1: But no, I. Honestly, I've been telling Casey for a while now, I was like, I hope, you know, I will have dementia when I get older. Yeah, me too. I also think- I can feel it. I also, I know this sounds like bananas, but I also do think that I'm going to have um, vertigo because sometimes I get off balance, like in people's houses, like I- i was like going up to the third stairs in my no i was just literally going to like walk down the stairs of someone's apartment and the staircase was kind of weird and i just went whoop almost (laughs) fell over that's crazy it was really upsetting it happens it happens i'm gonna be lucille too for sure but dementia that too Mm. so anyway, so are you ready i'm very very ready
0: leslie hornby hmm hmm
1: Wow. Not what I was expecting. Didn't
0: expect it. Was born September 19th, 1949.
1: 1949? Yeah. That is so much later than I thought she was. No, she was uh, like, she's only about 10 years older than our parents. That's weird. Not even 10 years older than
0: our parents. Uh, she was the third daughter of Nellie, a factory worker for a printing firm and william Can a master- american girl doll i mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah samantha 's best friend and and William, who was a master carpenter, her eldest sister, Shirley. Uh, was fifteen years older than her, and her middle sister Vivian was seven years older than her. So they're on the like every seven years we have a kid thing. That's a terrible schedule, it's in a, my a, opinion. I mean, honestly, <laughs> the worst schedule. <laughs> if uh, Twiggy's mom had contraceptives, she may have not existed. Mm-hmm. True, true, true. Which would have been a tragedy. Uh, she was raised in the suburbs of Northwest London in a semi-detached house that she describes as oh super pleasant childhood. Her dad was super kind and loving and a wonderful gentleman and every Sunday afternoon they would have like a father-daughter outing <gasps> together just to like be alone. Her mom stayed at home after she was born but also had this part-time job at a catering business. She was taught her biggest lessons from her mom though, to be kind, to be loyal, to not suffer any fools gladly, <laughs> and that families were really important. Which are all lessons we should all learn. Yeah, true, true. true. Suffer no fools. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> An interesting tidbit about Twiggy's, T- Twiggy's family is that her great great grandmother was killed in a stampede for, for of like excited shoppers going in for a bargain sale. <gasps> I'm sorry, who is this? Twiggy's great great grandmother. <gasps> Before Twiggy was born, her grandmother was in like this bargain hunt. And got stampeded going into a store in 1897.
1: 1897! So crazy fashion runs in the family. I also... I feel like... It's again like a similar thing with like the people like... Why is like people fascinated with true crime now? It's like they've been fascinated forever. And also... I feel like everybody blames the like, you know, crazy Black Friday stampedes, like all that craziness it's on, always like, been this on way. like Tickle Me Elmo, but no. it's like, it has been around for a while. Get
0: online and check out Filene's Basement.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Filene's Basement! <laughs> Get the scoop on why it went from Eileen's to Filene's. <laughs> unbelievable. <That> great. <laughs> so... <laughs> We know who you are, Eileen. Whether or not you put an F on your name. (laughs) (gasps) (gasps)
0: Woo! Okay. Her mother taught her how to sew at a very young age, which is important because Twiggy would... Make a lot of her own clothes.
1: I feel like everybody did in the '60s.
0: Yo, my mom made all of her clothes. Is that why their clothes were so damn boxy? Yes, <laughs> and cute. Yeah, they were cute, but it was because they didn't know
1: how to sew curves. I honestly think that. Yeah,
0: straight, straight is easier than curvy.
1: Yeah, well, because they were also making with like chicken feed bags. Like my mom was like, "Yeah, da da da, this is my feed bag dress," and I was like, "Mom." You grew up in Catonsville, not Kansas. Please, sir. What some more. To, some more chicken feed for my dress. <laughs> I'll make to go to the prom. Exactly. Exactly. Your mom wore a like long-sleeve
0: dress to the prom, so let's talk about that. And her
1: wedding. It's I mean,
0: j- adorable. I mean, so did Kate Middleton, okay. so maybe your mom set the trend. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> if I was pretty enough to pull off a long-sleeve wedding dress, oh, I absolutely would I do it? Absolutely. Uh, no,
1: I hate... Long sleeves. You don't like even a cap
0: sleeve. I
1: really don't. I I would pull off a long sleeve dress if I was pretty enough. But you have to be really pretty. I literally cut the sleeves off of my rehearsal dinner dress the day of.
0: (laughs) Your mom could handle a long sleeve dress. And she did. (laughs) Twice. Twice. (laughs) So she attended high school in London. She held down a job to make some money and buy cute clothes to wear out with her friends. She's just like a normal teenager so what she's doing is working at this hair salon but she's the Saturday girl she sweeps up the hair she does the register all the things that the actual hairdressers don't want to do she makes a little bit of money her and her friends every couple of weeks when they finally make enough pounds to do this run down to like this cute little boutique and like buy Eileen's basement Eileen's <laughs> <laughs> basement that's in New York, Katie.
1: <laughs> Not London. I'm sorry, Mildred's basement. It's Mildred's. It's Mildred's tea shop. <laughs> I hate myself. With all the top fashions <laughs> for your tea kettle. For your tea kettles <laughs> and the bonnet of your car. So <laughs> of your <laughs> motor car. <laughs> Did you say the bonnet of your motor car? <laughs> yeah, that's the hood. Oh, is it? The bonnet is what they call the hood. Didn't know that. I thought you totally made that up. No,
0: that's <laughs> it. That's, a, that's an honest thing. That's a that's a British quandary. Well,
1: I mean, one of us has been to London, and the other hasn't. So I've been twice. Uh, <laughs> Tip my bonnet. Tip my bonnet to you. you. <laughs> you Tip the hood of your car <laughs> to you, to madam. They also got in the lift, <laughs> not in elevator. With Margaret. Oh my. God. All right, this is out of control. I feel like this is the number one sign that you and I have had a horrible week as we are... Out of pocket right now. This is unreal. Straight out of pocket.
0: Okay. (laughs) straight
1: out of of Margaret's basement.
0: Honestly, I do the only group of people we can literally make fun of their accent is the one group of people that's richer and better than us, and I will take advantage of it
1: every time I can. We're American privileged. We have to be really (laughs) careful
0: of who we judge, except for our older brother, Britain. So here we are. Woo. Anyway. Twiggy's working at this hair salon. This is where she first starts to see, like, images in magazines and kind of, like, on the wall of, like, these models. And Jean Shrimpton is the person that she's, like, that woman's amazing. I want to be her. She's so great. But Twiggy also loves Katherine Hepburn. She was, like, she took that low-cut nonsense to, like, this cute collarbone style, and, like, that fits me, and Mm -hmm. I think that looks great, so that's all I want. So they're running down on their lunch breaks, buying these dresses. They're like two or three pounds at this time. And she was like, it was so cool. Cause it was the first time she said, it was the first time I was buying clothes without my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I, was like, uh, I was like, yes, yes. I yeah. totally understand that. That's uh-huh. a weird feeling when you're yeah. buying your own clothes.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know exactly that feeling because I was doing it in, like, CVS and Walmart.
0: (laughs) Exactly. I mean, exactly. (laughs) CBS
1: has clothes. I don't know if you know that. (laughs) They really do. So does Five Below. Anyone? If you need it, (laughs) Five
0: Below has clothes. At work, she makes friends with this guy, Tony. And Tony has a brother named Nigel who changed his name to Justin. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Is he trying to be more
0: American? No, he went, like, with Justin, blah, blah, blah. He tried to sound more French, I think. He was doing like a very vibe. So he is flashy. He's like 10 years older than her. He has a car. He'd pick her up on her Saturday shift. They're having a great time. A friend of Justin works for this magazine. And this girl knows and Justin knows that Twiggy is kind of into the modeling thing. She's like, I want to be a model. All these women are great in these pictures. Um, and Justin's like, well, listen, my girlfriend wants to be a model. Hi, you're my friend that works at a magazine. Can you just, like, go and talk to somebody? Like, good BF. That's nice. Yeah. And the girl's like, yeah, cool. Twiggy's kind of interesting. So she takes her to the editor of the magazine. And the editor's like, sure, just, like, bring her in. Let's see what she's like. And the editor sees her and is like, you're kind of small. Twiggy's 5'6". six. She's little. Okay. Um, for a model. Yeah. Like, I'm say, shorter he- than Twiggy, but, like, she's 5'6", and she's, like, 90 pounds, and she's, like, 15.
1: Right. I was going to say, she has to be so young She's right a baby. Now.
0: Like, this is so weird. So, they call her, and she's, like, yeah, you're really cute, and, like, you're interesting. So, like, I don't want to pass on you, but I'm going to send you to my friend Leonard. He's a hairstylist. So, Twiggy's got this long.
1: Because that was in at the hair, time. Hair. It's
0: super in. She sends her to Leonard, which is like Leonard of Mayfair is a super posh celebrity hairdresser. So she's getting this done. And that stylist was like taking any little women, young women, because he wanted to try out hairstyles that he wanted Mm -hmm. and then take pictures of them and put it on the wall. So that like okay. other famous women could be like, that's what I want. That's what I want. That's what I want. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Twiggy comes in, gets no opinion, has her like long hair, her normal like teenage girl hair that's like kind of stringy and whatever, and gets this like short ass Peter Pan cut.
1: Oh, my gosh. Like if, a gr- if that happened to a girl in America's Next Top Model, she would be sobbing.
0: Sobbing. Twiggy's
1: Absolutely fine. sobbing. Totally fine. Mm. At least I didn't see any sobbing stories. (laughs) And then, like,
0: he's like, okay, well, like, the photographer's not here right now, but I'm going to call a celebrity photographer. (laughs) His name's Barry. And Barry is going to come take these pictures of you tomorrow. So Twiggy cut school one day to get this haircut, which would change her life. Uh And then cut school the next day to get these headshots taken. But all for Leonard. None of this is for her. Right. All of this would change her life. Mm. It's absolutely insane. So a couple weeks from then, a fashion journalist named Deidre McSherry ends up in the hairdresser shop. And she sees the picture. She works for the Daily Express. And she was like, oh, who's that? And he goes, oh, she's just this teenage schoolgirl from down the street. And she goes, get me her number. (gasps) I would like to have an interview with her. (gasps) So Deidre calls Twiggy and like, and like Twiggy's parents and and has to have this interview with Twiggy and Twiggy comes down and Deidre is like, hi, hi, you're like adorable. I just want to like take
1: some pictures of you and write a story for the daily express. I'm going to be also honest. I'm so glad it is a woman doing this. Just because there' are so many horror stories of so like, many, you know and I 'm sure like things like like terrible things could happen with a woman too, but like you know i 'm sure that also kind of made a difference, and like okay, like this is a woman coming to me like believing in me right. like and not seemingly trying to like take advantage of me,
0: yeah, and everybody just it seems like everybody kept being like that 's interesting because one thing that 's cool about Twiggy is her eye makeup was not decided by the designers Hmm. she had already so one twiggy's blonde obviously and or i didn't say that so maybe not obviously to people listening don't feel silly if you didn't know she was a lot
1: of photos of her black and white
0: correct so she would paint her top eyelashes with like mascara and like strong mascara multiple layers and she would put on three false eyelashes (gasps) on the top
1: and oh my you know God. what one set feels like? I felt blind on my wedding day. Yeah.
0: She she put on 3 and then the bottom eyelashes aren't just colored, she literally drew with eyeliner. Yeah, extra eyelashes which she are like now known as, they're now known as twiggies. Yeah. But she did that and that was all her. That
1: That's wasn't so like cool. somebody
0: decided to do that. So people are kind of interested in her face. Her eyes are really big. So she's like, let's bring this girl in. So Deidre is taking pictures of her and writing this story. And she's like, okay, I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm going to put this small thing in the Daily Express. Like, not a big deal, not a big deal. Um. So every day, her dad is running down. He's like, I'm going to get the Daily Express. Like, And he brings it back. Nothing about Twiggy. Mm-hmm. Brings it back. Nothing about Twiggy. Every single day. And by the way, People were already calling her Twiggy. This is not a model thing. Really? Like her her, friends? They called her Twigs. There's a lot (laughs) of people who are like, I've never called her Leslie even once. (laughs) Even Ah. once in the... the 18 decades i've known her and it's just because she was so tiny and skinny Mm -hmm. that people called her i mean and that's the thing people will be like beanstalk you know like when there's like a skinny tall girl so she was just twigs and somebody was like you should go by
1: twiggy yeah uh not to bring this to my mom again but uh, i'll bring it to your mom again (laughs) my uncle gene once told my mom like they're all at the beach together and she came out with like like her bathing suit on and he goes Oh honey, he goes. You look like a pencil with a ban- two band aids on it. <laughs> Which is like what I want to look like. It's like honestly my dream. <laughs> a pencil with two band aids on it. That was what Uncle Gene said. So you mean Kate Hudson? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
0: You mean your mom was Kate Hudson? I pretty love much, that. Pretty
1: much. Pretty <sighs> much. Okay. So,
0: Twiggy's dad finally goes down. He picks up an article, and sees it, and goes, "Oh, oh my word! Oh my, oh my goodness! <laughs> oh my goodness!" He runs home, walks into T- Twiggy's room, open center <gasps> spread.
1: Oh my god!
0: Title: The Face of Sixty Six. Oh,
1: like. And she had no idea. No like, idea. Oh, coming.
0: She is the face of 1966. Oh my God. And has never been famous before. Nobody knew who she was. A little girl whose picture was in a hairstyle salon. And she's still like 15. Yeah. She's so, 16, like around Probably one. around yep. 16. Okay. And God. the article read things like the Cockney kid with a face to launch a thousand shapes. And she's only sixteen. <laughs> that's literally what it, the cockney kid and like she kid. we'll get to the cockney later but okay. it's like she was literally center spread and that's the famous picture of her that you see where she's just kind of like deadpanning the camera yeah with like a no smile that's the I picture they took that was the like no first modeling, modeling. <laughs> yeah that's the first one after the article she started getting phone calls from like everywhere to book her and her family encouraged her her family was like she's always wanted to be a model she talks about modeling go do it do what you love i'm proud of her for getting it mm. like go get it which like her mom
1: her mom and dad are cool as fuck it sounds like it yeah
0: needless to say her career quickly took off twiggy drops out of school to pursue modeling full-time she's five six. She's weighing less than hundred pounds. She's at 21, 23, 32, which, like, God bless her. <laughs> Despite her statue, she hates her stature. She hates wearing high heels. Twiggy is not really? in high heels. She won't wear them. She doesn't think she looks good in them. She's not good at walking in them. And um, her famous lashes became known as Twiggy's tyra banks even talked about in the documentary i watched where like she would sit on the edge of her bed and watch her mom put on makeup and her mom was like i have the best twiggies this side of the pond and like would like do her eyelashes so when when twiggy was like i want to be on your show tyra was like fuck that's so cool what a
1: full circle moment
0: yeah for like two of the world's best known supermodels to yeah. be together in this place yeah. is amazing mm. amazing and tyra also talked about she was like usually when you meet an icon they're like oh darling and she was like twiggy was like i'm just a mom tyra i'm just a mom <laughs> <laughs> like, like the cutest person to be around yeah on all of planet earth so um, now let's go back to her boyfriend, Justin, Justin, whose real name is Nigel. <laughs> He's 10 years her senior, and he credits himself with the success of 20- 20 sorry, How many years? 10 years older. Oh, wow.
1: I don't feel like I caught that the first time around
0: 25 dating a 15 year old and being like, don't bite your nails. And like, also you should go by Twiggy. And like, Mm. also I want to be your manager. Oh my God. So he is her manager for the first seven years. (sighs) Um, and I mean, in this time in one year from when it's like, this is the face of 66, she gets named British woman of the year. People are like opening up magazines and they're like, take a look at this girl. She's special. A lot of people on the documentary were like, I saw her and I was like, and this is movie producers and this, that and the other. And they're like, huh? Like they didn't know it could be done. Like right. they were like, oh, we are all in on the Marilyn Monroe. It's the 60s. We're in on the Audrey Hepburns. We're Out in on the Elizabeth waist. Taylor. Like, and they go, huh. As we hit the 60s, they're very confused as to what's happening. Yeah. So she is soon leading fashion magazines. She's 80 pounds. She even brought her own line of clothes called Twiggy Dresses. Because, I mean, they were... So short. Up her ass short because yeah. she didn't have curves. So she could just wear, I mean, she could wrap a literal hand towel around her waist and it would be a mini skirt. <laughs> she like looked great and was like playing it up. And she just really took the world by storm. But she absolutely Hated what she looked like. No. She says that the world was raving mad to be obsessed with her. She couldn't believe that they were. She was like, I have a Peter Pan haircut. I like having long hair. I don't like wearing high heels. I wish that I had curves. And even beyond this, everybody's like, we love you. You're perfect. And she's like, I don't feel perfect. This is like really uncomfortable. But Vogue is calling, and Vogue's like, we'd like you to be on the cover. And then, like, 13 other Vogue internationals, she had, like, millions of pages in Vogue's the first couple of years. Everybody's like, let me see you like this. Let me see you like this. You're so great. You're so cute. And um, it was hard because I think when you're going from being a teenager to a woman, you want people to think you're – sexy or interesting or curious and people just kept being like she's so cute she's so interesting
1: right or like weird like she looks weird like you know like i she said she felt like et because her
0: eyes were so big and her body was so little
1: yeah and like there is a sort of comfort in being like a i'm guessing of like a traditionally like beautiful woman who's like Yeah, I am on the covers of magazines, but because I'm traditionally beautiful, Mm -hmm. being like, this girl looks so weird, we're going to put her on the cover. And not weird in a bad way, but like, you know, she looks so different. And it's hard when you're a teenager and you, I don't know any teenager who is like, yep, I look awesome. Right. And also, like, <laughs> high fashion, I feel like, wasn't
0: really a thing. Now, yeah. high fashion is about inverting your shoulders yeah. and being kind of hunched and odd-looking with your angles. Yeah. But at that time, it was more about being, like we said earlier, glamorous. Yeah. Being high Hollywood. And she mm-hmm. just wasn't high Hollywood.
1: No. So that was really hard for her. Yeah. It's probably like just, look like a lot of, like, identity crisis of, like, people are telling, like, and that's, like, one of the weirdest parts I feel like any, like one of the weirdest things anyone can experience when like, you're like, everyone is telling me one thing and I feel like they're lying. Right. That feels horrible when you feel like the world is lying to you. Or
0: even if they're telling you one thing and you don't feel that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, don't tell me I'm a good leader, but I hate leading. Yeah. I don't want to do that,
1: actually. Mm.
0: So... In 1967, she makes her first trip to the United States. So, now she's leaving London. Like, London's been kind of her cushion for a while. It's March. She's going to New York. Um, This is heavily covered. They're, like, filming a documentary of her coming to the United States. She lands in Kennedy Airport. People are going bananas. They are going crazy. And... Everyone wants to see her. She's a sensation, and she just talks about like getting crushed in the streets, and like all the little girls in America, because the mod look hadn't quite traveled yet, are like looking like Jackie O with their pillbox hats, and like she just looks like this. She's in a box dress with huge eyes, and this middle-aged couple in the documentary, somebody's interviewing them, and they're like, "Do you know who that is?" And they're like, "Yeah, that's that little girl Twiggy. She's cute." She'll last a week or two. Mm. No, she won't. Um, but she felt really frightened coming to New York. And there's this this British documentary is trying to be filmed about her at the time. So they're like, "Let's get you on TV with Woody Allen." And he's a new guy. Nobody knows who he is. He's not famous. She's not famous. Everything's fine. So she sits down on the chair. His first question, who's, who's your favorite philosopher? 16 year old girl model. He's trying to make her look stupid. And she goes, I, I don't know. I haven't got one. Who's yours. (laughs) And then he goes. I, I want you to listen to this so bad. He's like, I don't know. You know, I like the Greeks, the Germans, the Romans. Ah, he's like,
1: fucking vamping. The
0: eccentrics. And she goes, do they got any names? <laughs> <laughs> and he doesn't have any names to oh give her. Oh, my And God. then he's like, so I suppose you've read Dickens. Or he said it American. I suppose you read Dickens. And she's like, yeah, in school. And when you read it in school, you don't like it. That's yeah. a shit way to read. Like, pretty much, she's like, she didn't cuss. But she's like, yeah, I read Dickens. I'm fucking British. Yeah. I, read, I read Great Expectations in fourth grade. Are you kidding me? Right. Like, come on. So he, like, I think he went in trying to make her look dumb. And she goes in as a 16-year-old girl, somebody asking her about philosophers. And it's just like... It was the worst experience. I just really hated America. I felt oh, like... Oh, what a horrible introduction. Like, I felt like they were being tragic and, like, so being rude to me. But at this point, it doesn't even fucking matter because she's modeling in France and Japan and the United States. And she's going to, like, these extravaganzas of the 60s because there's Twiggy pens and Twiggy lunchboxes and... Twiggy lashes and Twiggy Twiggy Cosmetics like everybody wants to buy Twiggy things. She's making so many royalties. But she's quickly so much considered an icon that there's a Twiggy Barbie. Multiple. What? Multiple. I didn't know that. Twiggy Barbies that you can buy because her look was what little girls wanted. And teenage girls, for the first time, had buying power in the United States in the 60s. We want your makeup. We want your clothes. We want your dolls. We want your merchandise. Bring it to us. And that says something for women everywhere. Yeah. That they were like, this is who we like and this is what we want. Yeah. Which is great. So, people are beginning to switch their style. She is changing the random housewife look into being a Twiggy look. She started the A-line dress with collared necklines. People are wearing suit dresses. People are wearing unisex designs. People are wearing jumpsuits. And she is just gracing the covers of magazines, but also making her own magazine, which is Twiggy the Mod Teen World. There were articles like, You Can Have a Twiggy Look, and Her Do's and Don'ts for Girls, and Twiggy Jokes. <laughs> 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 right? Now, do you have any <laughs> Twiggy Jokes? I have zero Twiggy Jokes.
1: God, I would love to hear a Twiggy joke. I would
0: die for a Twiggy Joke. <laughs> um, uh, and Twiggy's date book was published. Oh. Who knows? What is and that even? Mod modeling <laughs> tips. Who knows? These Mm. magazines were wild.
1: (laughs) I wonder how much she actually contributed to these. Zero. She was like
0: 10 years old. But people are polarized about her from the beginning. They're saying, like, she has an unhealthy body type, which we all are going to talk about in the Audrey Hepburn sense. And she came around the same time that, like, this teenage spending power is happening. So she's utilizing the teens to try to steal their money. Uh,
1: Yeah, she's a real evil mastermind, that Twiggy. (laughs) That Twiggy, what a mastermind.
0: (laughs) And everyone's opinions are, like, her legs look like two painted worms. What? That's what they said. Her legs Looked like two painted worms because she was skinny. Katie, that's literally what they said about her. <laughs> and in recent years, she spoke out about her body and was like, that's just how I looked. Like, yeah. I ate a lot, but I was skinny. I was yeah. just, I was literally a biologically built skinny person. Yeah. And I hated myself because everybody, all they did was talk about how I looked like shit because I was skinny. Yeah, But also... It led to what she acknowledges as a problem that supermodels now attempt this very skinny, bony look. And she knows that she is... She started it? She's technically the first ever supermodel in the world. So the fact that she was 91 pounds and a 16-year-old girl and her collarbones are out and her hip bones are out and her skirt is up her ass and there's no fat showing... She's like, I know, like, I accidentally started this trend, but, like, that's just fucking what I looked like. I, di- I wasn't purposely trying to make <sighs> people starve themselves to death. Like, this is not, this was not the goal. I was eating, like, a shit ton of food. Oh, my God. Which is hard for her because it has taken this journey that now we're backtracking from. We've done a really good job. We've made regular, there are regulations now in France about how much you're allowed to weigh as a supermodel. Yeah. Like you have to weigh <laughs> above a certain amount. Yeah. Um, because people were taking it way too far. Yeah. And she, she just, her body has been scrutinized from like the
1: second it was on camera. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's like kind of like a, a flip side of, uh, body talk that we don't acknowledge a whole lot. Like, you know, we, I feel like we tend to talk so much about, like, women who have been like, you're overweight, you're fat, da-da-da-da-da. And it's like... You're too thin. I feel like the you're too thin conversation is also really damaging. Like, I was and just... people
0: don't think about it because they're like, oh, that must be easy must, for that you. That must be
1: so nice to be that How thin. How great. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's um, hard. Yeah, it is difficult. And, like, it's all an issue that like we're just nonstop talking about women's bodies no matter what they look like. like right and it's hard and uh
0: because of it in 1970 4 years after Twiggy became a model she retired
1: at 19 19- like, what is she 20? 20 years she's old she's 20 years old and she retired so
0: Twiggy the first and most famous supermodel in the world <gasps> 4 years. Oh my god. She retired. She said I can't be a clothes hanger my whole life. So she broke off her relationship with her boyfriend manager. She's like, I'm not doing this anymore. And she is a, a little bitter that in her entire career, which she does way fucking more, people only knew her as a model.
1: I I only know her as a model. Me too, and then I did this research. <laughs> So Ah, so let me fucking enlighten you. (laughs) Let me enlighten you. In
0: 1971, she's 22 years old. She had started like this guy, director in Hollywood, director in New York, whatever he is, Ken Russell. He has these like Friday night dinners at his house. Kind of like your mom. Uh We're like, anybody can come. Yeah. Like my kids come. My wife comes. Everybody comes. Twiggy starts going. It's like the whole thing. And She gets her first movie education from him because he, every Friday night after they eat, they watch this like old Hollywood movie. (gasps) So she's never done that before. And she's learning and her boyfriend's there and he had five kids and she's just like the older sister of the five kids. Wait, her boyfriend had five kids? No, 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 no. The Ken had five kids. (laughs) Her and her boyfriend. Huh. Her and her boyfriend, Justin, Nigel. Oh, she's still with him even S- though she quit modeling. Still, Well, it's going to end soon. Okay. But they, like, still keep going and, like, they're hanging out with the kids. They take them for ice cream. They're
1: watching the movies. Everything's a blast. Also, being like my parents. My parents totally fucking did that when yeah. they were, like, newlyweds.
0: Exactly! They- Your mom and dad are, like, Ken and his wife being like, Twiggy, come hang out at our house. I feel
1: like... My mom did that all. She it's my seventies. My Your mom is the seventies. She 60s really is. Seventies. She had Friday night pizza night before she even had children, which was just all the kids in the neighborhood would come over to the and young couple's pizza. house and eat pizza. Which today I would be like, don't you I'd be dare! Like, don't go over there. It's yeah, they're weird. creepy.
0: They're creepy, but they weren't. They were being super cool. Yeah, <laughs> and um. She's 22, she's hanging out with the kids, she's taking the kids for ice cream, she's learning all about movies, her hippie aesthetic is kind of growing, her skirts are getting longer, she's wearing like a beret, (laughs) 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 She's she's getting sophisticated, so her and Ken had gone to this play, and Ken's wife I'm sure. Called um like the boyfriend or whatever, and they're watching it on stage. And Ken's like, "I think we, I think we can do this." And she's like, "I kind of, I kind of think we could like possibly do this." And he and Twiggy are like, "Okay, everybody in Hollywood, we're gonna make the boyfriend. It's a play. We're gonna make it a movie." <gasps> And Ken gets a call from MGM and they're like, hi, we own the boyfriend. Shit. They already bought it. And then he goes, then they go, but we're obsessed with you and Twiggy making it. Oh, so, please, dear God, make this movie because we've owned it for so many years and we want you to make it. But can Twiggy act? And he goes, I don't know. And they go, can Twiggy sing? I don't know. Can Twiggy dance? I don't know. (laughs) She can model. And they go, we will give you six weeks to get a performance out of that girl. If you can do it, you can make the movie. Oh, my God. Six weeks. She had to tap dance. She had to waltz. What? She had to sing. She had to do literally everything. She
1: is a super... I can't even, like, clean my dishes in
0: six weeks. I can't
1: floss in two months. Oh, my God. She was working
0: nonstop. She learned everything she needed to learn. She was, and I mean, Katie, the the shots from this movie are iconic. It looks old Hollywood. She's in this gorgeous gown and being danced around by these, like, leading men. And they are fast. <laughs> oh, they are. I cannot even believe the fact that she wins two Golden Globes. What? This movie was finished? She wins two Golden Globes for Best New Actress and Best Actress in a Film, Katie. I can't
1: believe
0: this. I can't believe it. I am so uncomfortable with the fact that I didn't know she had two golden globes that my heart is breaking. <gasps> she nailed it. Everybody keeps going. I can't believe it. She did it. She did it. She danced. She sang. She she tap danced. She balleted. She waltzed. She did the whole... Are
1: you looking at pictures right now? Yes, of course I am because I'm obsessed with it. I've never even heard of this. I didn't either.
0: I was ungodly beautiful. And then there's this guy actor. There's one American part in the role. And she's like, hey, there's this guy I really thought was cool named Tommy that I think should be the American guy. He walks on the set and was like, I've never met Twiggy. I heard about her. I walk on the set. I'm obsessed with her. She's the most perfect person I've ever seen. Um, And then he does the role. She also released a single in 1971. She starts making albums, Katie. And then she's in a thriller about Cinderella. And, like, she's in this thriller called W. And, like, there's all these things happening. She's insane. But... She does end up, from a movie she's in, getting married to a guy, Michael. Michael is 20 years older than her, and she was just like, I really like him, and he's great. But when she got married, she didn't realize he had an alcohol problem. Which is hard, because they deal with it for a couple decades. But she marries Michael, and they have a baby together, Carly. And Carly is what Twiggy describes as her best friend. Oh Which is God. how I would describe my children. So I absolutely understand that vibe. But um, Twiggy understands that she is not, even though she won fucking two Golden Globes, she's not getting watched the same way she was in the 60s. And she's like, I have to make money. And um, she ends up on the f- cover of David Bowie's album. She's on the cover of da- David Which Bowie's one. Oh, shit. I wrote it down and then didn't. Was it not Diamond Dogs? No, it's him and her, and they both have these painted faces on. I'm not sure which one it is. It is so cute. He has his head resting on her shoulder, and it's him and Twiggy. It's
1: David Bowie and Twiggy. Oh, my gosh. She doesn't even, like, look like herself in this. But you Bowie? see it, right? Yeah. So it was in 1973. It says this is Bowie pinups. Mm-hmm his album pinups that's why because he
0: called her out in one of the uh songs he used her name and then was like well let's just have her on the cover of the album then wow yeah that's how famous like everybody wants twiggy oh my gosh um so she is at this point married to michael she has her baby carly she is on David Bowie's album. She goes on the Muppets. She's re- <laughs> like, I mean, everybody wants her. Everybody wants her around. She's on the hit charts for the CDs that she's making because she actually is a great singer, which is like, what the? Where did that fucking come right. from? That you're like really good at singing as well. In 1975 in her 20s she
1: publishes her 20s she
0: publishes a best-selling autobiography called twiggy like an autobiography in your 20s i (laughs) how much have you done my friend
1: when I was 20, I had, like, just had sex for the first time. I, like, don't understand any of this. Like, I... She
0: was She, so... she was literally, like, an 1,000-year-old woman <laughs> at this
1: point. She was like, I've lived 20 lifetimes. It's fine. I'm Twiggy, and I've got it. Oh,
0: my God. So... In 1978, she does finally marry Michael, like I said, and she has her baby Carly. And then in all of the 70s, she's just cool as fuck. She's in the Blues Brothers. Did we know that? No. She's in the movie, The Blues Brothers.
1: I'm going to Google this too. I can't believe that. She's in the Blues she's Brothers movie. She's in movies? the Blues Brothers movie.
0: And then she stars as Eliza Doolittle. <gasps> In, no. in the
2: nineteen
0: oh <laughs> oh burp, everybody! In the 1981 Pygmalion. Oh. So, typically in Pygmalion, you get a high, or my fair lady, as the commoners call it. <laughs> <laughs> typically, what they do is get a high-class girl to play the role and they have to teach her a cockney accent. <gasps> but the Opposite oh. happened with Twiggy. And as it turns out, nobody believed an Eliza Doolittle more than they ever believed Twiggy. Because as she said every morning, I knew my cockney lines, and they literally had to sit with me and go, the rain in Spain
1: is like they had to falls mainly on the plane, right? Like they were Eliza do her, her during the production set. on Ooh. set. And,
0: and the producers said, this is the only time ever that we think the audience was like, can she do it? <laughs> like, everybody, usually you get a really fancy girl. Yeah, like and, Julie Andrews right. or Audrey Hepburn. And it's like, oh, look at them. That's so cute. That they're, they're trying to be cocky. They're trying to be like, cocky. Like, and they were like, oh, this girl, <laughs> this girl can't speak on a regular basis. Look
1: at the queen of Genovia <laughs> pretending to be a mere flower girl. <laughs>
0: <laughs> exactly. So she's out there like, rain in Spain. <laughs> like, and she was like, it was so weird because in the mornings, like I'm memorizing my lines, but I'm also trying to not speak like myself. Cause I'm like a ghetto ass bitch. <laughs> like I can't talk like this. This isn't how I talk, which I find so lovely that yeah. Twiggy had to be voice trained in how to Speak posh instead of how to speak Cockney. That's so great. It's it, it like makes me obsessed with her. And then Tommy, the guy that she was like, "Hey, I think you should be the American to be in the play I'm in." Way back when. Oh yeah,
1: the movie. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, already the boyfriend movie. The boyfriend movie. Yes,
0: Tommy, you should be in it. He, Tommy, became the most prolific. Broadway (laughs) director of all time so Tommy goes hey uh I'm a hot new director and I'm gonna call up my girl Twiggy because I owe my entire success to her and he's like can you please be in my show she's like absolutely not I have severe stage fright I don't want to memorize things and he's like okay let's it go for a couple years but then she appears on a like actual stage play in London and then he calls her up again and was like, hey, my girl. So you did it. <laughs> you're a fucking liar. So but she goes, no, I didn't have to walk onto to stage. I sat on a stool and they rose the curtains and I was already there. That takes oh. away the fear. And he goes, you're so logical. I hate it. But I will make that happen for you. Do you want to be on Broadway? She's like, absolutely. So. Twiggy goes to Broadway. <laughs> she comes up and does my one and only, for which she earns Tonys. <laughs> what?
1: Twiggy? Twiggy has- she's fucking half of an EGOT? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, Golden Globe is not an EGOT. Yeah, that's the G. No, it's Grammy. It's the ah, G. Ah, fuck. She's got a. It's she's a, diff- got a tot. <laughs> it's a different kind of G. <laughs> that- uh,
0: I mean, this girl has Tonys down. Golden song. Globe. <laughs> it's a different kind of G. It's a global kind of G. She. <laughs> You're a rapper. I didn't, you know, (laughs) didn't you know
1: know? again out of pocket tonight.
0: (laughs) So she now has multiple awards awards. (laughs) and Tony's this girl. And like, she says one and only is her greatest accomplishment of her career. The greatest of her career. Because she's like, Oh my God, I was on stage 8,000 nights a week. And I memorized all of it, and I could sing and I could dance, and I did it. And also, at this point, she's playing opposite Robin Williams what? in Club Paradise. <gasps> she was on the television special Little Match Girls. She played Hannah Chaplin in the movie about Youngly, or Youngly, Young Charles Chaplin. Like, she is playing all these important parts, and nobody knows it's Twiggy because the right. eyelashes aren't there
1: well because if she's literally not like with the mod haircut in the tiny dress staring directly at the camera like i was just looking at the pictures of her in blues brothers doesn't look like i her. wouldn't have known it was her besides the fact that i know what she looks like on america's next top model and right. then i can kind of see it but even then it's like is that know her? her is it real that's pretty cool it is cool
0: and she's kind of
1: like a chameleon
0: She'd been married to Michael for years, but his alcoholism had really tried on their relationship. And especially when she was working on Broadway. You know how, like, when you celebrate, you drink, and when you fail, you drink? She was gone every night, so she couldn't even, like, be there to police the situation. Yeah. So her and Carly kind of go to the park to have a day, and um, she had kind of left Michael, but it was, like, in the new stages. And she gets notification that he had a sudden and fatal heart attack. <gasps> oh, my God. So now her husband is entirely gone. Um, And this is, like, 1983. And she is still fucking really famous and working for full time on Broadway and in magazines and like doing what she can. But again, nobody recognizes her as the 1960s Twiggy. So she is working for her money. Like, it's not like she just gets all these residuals. So right after that time, her friend, Robert Powell and his wife invite her to dinner. And they also invite this other guy and they Fall in love, (gasps) Lee Lawson. Oh, a beautiful way, like a dinner party. Like, and they just didn't. And and I mean, Robert Powell and his wife looked at each other and were like, "Why are we even at this party? Like, let's please leave them alone in a corner so they can just talk because they were so in love." He had kids. She had kids. They took it really, really slow and just, like, wanted to meet each other. Lawson ends up adopting Carly, and she goes by Carly Lawson because her dad had died so young. Like, it's just such a great situation. So, in 1991, she's in a CBS sitcom called Princesses in the United States. It's very short-lived. But then she does work on The Nanny with Fran Drescher. Stop it. She is in the nanny.
1: I love that show so much. I loved Fran Drescher so much. Unbelievable. Her
0: and Fran are friends. Uh,
1: I, I also what a, a beacon of hope for dark haired girls. Because it was like the dark haired girl was the hero and the blonde woman <laughs> was the villain in that show, Perfect. Um. Perfect. Also, number one thing I had to tell you my cat is named Fran. Because uh, of Fran Drescher? Yeah, Fran Shesher. Uh, <laughs> Fran Kitty. <laughs> my Fran Cat Franny is named after her. I love that. Thing number two. My friend Jenna <laughs> is distantly related to Fran Drescher. You're lying. I'm Jenna's not lying. cool as fuck. Jenna is the coolest person she, she has. S- she also has the best hair, and Fran has
0: the best hair. I don't hair. understand. So, Jenna, your friend. Has, like, the coolest tattoos. Yes, she does. And then also can wear a blue button-down as if she's Rosie the Riveter. And I don't understand how to achieve that look. I Can you explain
1: it to me? I cannot. Because... Jenna. Jenna... <laughs> explain it <that> to me. <laughs> Jenna pulls off fashion things that I could never... And I just, I'm in awe of her. And yeah, she's distantly related to Fran Drescher. So like, are you even surprised? I, I she, might not be. That I she might, can pull off. I, like, in, like, she looks so good all the time. Yo, that like, bitch
0: came to my house and she looked fly as fuck. God,
1: I love her. I, I love just wanna, Jenna. Like, I love Fran. I want
0: to like copy and paste her on yeah. my body. <laughs>
1: right Okay. now i'm gonna have to go back and watch the nanny again (laughs) the nanny (gasps) okay that's also like a little joke between casey and i was like mr sheffield mr sheffield i call him that sometimes (laughs) oh that's really in bed okay wow here we are
0: (laughs) What else do you call fiance sorry. slash husband in bed? I'm
1: sorry. Maybe that was just for Patreon.
0: <laughs> That's the kind of scoops you get on Patreon. <laughs> just kidding. You might. We do talk about weird things on Patreon, like <laughs> in me lying about my first twi- twin or your dead sister. Yes. <laughs> okay. Anyway, here's the deal. She's appearing alongside Mark Hamill. <laughs>
1: Luke Skywalker. I'm sorry. I just mean Mark Cameron. Oh my God. You
0: and my kids with Mark Cameron.
1: He's a hero. I'm sorry. You said Mark Hamill. So she's starring beside Mark Hamill. You said. Yeah. Like Luke Skywalker. Okay. Perfect. Show,
0: but Mark Cameron. You mean the Joker? <laughs>
1: <laughs> In the animated series?
0: Stop and maybe. So... <laughs> Anyway, 2000 to 2009, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap it up. We're going to get this going. Okay.
1: She's the co-host. I promise we will finish this episode eventually. Never. If I will stop talking. No, keep talking because <laughs> oh. the,
0: honestly, you think people really want to hear us talk or do they want to hear us Van. I don't
1: know at this point. <laughs> I have no idea. They want a little, a little boat. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a little bit of both. Can it be both? Uh, okay, because I'm out of control right now.
0: We all are. <laughs> uh, pour me some more champagne. We're having a party. <laughs> so she is now like the co host of this program called The Morning. It's like a magazine show. And then she's also making an album called Midnight Blue. <laughs> she's like, she has like, multiple albums, but then she gets cast because she asked to. On America's Next Top Model. Series 539. And she's one of the four judges. And she's just amazing. And Tyra. Every single show. Says this is an icon. She's the first supermodel ever. Fuck you if you don't respect her. Every show. The way that Tyra introduced her. Was so respectful. And I loved Tyra Banks in that show. I think. Tyra Banks is crazy as fuck, but she yeah, killed geez. it. She killed it. Do you know? <laughs> what do you need me to know?
1: <laughs> that Tire Banks wrote a fictional novel.
0: Send it to me immediately. I will.
1: I will. That's all you need to know. She wrote a fictional novel about the world of supermodeling, but it's like a fantasy novel. <laughs> oh my god I know it's gonna be your Christmas present but uh, I've ruined it
0: uh, I was gonna <laughs> buy you like a literal sweater and then I ruined it So it's fine. <laughs> okay, <laughs> anyway that's perfect <laughs> thank you Tyra but she's on the show and Twiggy was like I wanna be here but also like you guys fucking suck at making tea so can I please have my own kitchen are you
1: <laughs> wait what
0: Twiggy got her own kitchen just to make tea because she was really mad about the American hosts and their tea capabilities. It <laughs> That's the most most stuck up thing Twiggy's ever done, which I, I'm here for it. It's a cultural touch okay, point for British people. But why
1: the whole kitchen?
0: Um, so I think it was part of the lodging for the host. Oh, the lot.
1: Okay. She was
0: like, I literally need you to give me this thing in my lodging so that I can make my own tea because I fucking hate you guys.
1: Well, I wonder if she like only had a microwave and they're like, (laughs) they were like, just heat, heat the up. water up in the microwave. Like up. I wonder, if she like didn't have a stove top. She's like, no, I need a range. She's like, no, I, I I need to heat up the water in a goddamn kettle, which I totally understand.
0: Microwave tea is too hot or too cold. It's
1: not uh, sustainable. It burns. It's her not out. sustainable. The mug burns you. Everything's the worst. Everything's terrible. It's like cooking pasta in a bowl in a microwave. Doesn't make any sense. Yes.
0: So um, Twiggy's
1: great. Her first husband had passed her second
0: husband's there they have shared children everything's being super awesome she's now an older woman she's on antm she's an icon there's top designers in new york fashion week like can you come be the last person that walks the runway for us she's like actually no because i retired from modeling in 1970 and i only did it for four years so like it's not what i want i am a Actual actress and singer. So like if that's what you want me to do. That's what I will do. But I'm really uncomfortable with that. She also ends up. After saying no to all those people. (laughs) Being on the cover of Italian Vogue. And then. um, Returned to modeling. And started a TV program. And press and billboard campaign. For Mark and Spencer. Which Mark and Spencer. Is a very very famous. British department store. That was going out of business. It's like for us. Um, like a Macy's or something? Yeah. It would be like if Macy's went out of business and then a very famous icon, like Catherine Hepburn, decided to be like, I'm going to promo you. Yeah. So Twiggy shows up and she's like, I'm going to be on all your commercials. I'm going to do all your shit. I'm going to make sure you don't go out of business. Mm. And Marks and Spencers did not go out of business. And wow. in fact, their entire thing was fixed and it was her and other young british women models and actresses and singers that brought the business back Uh, she continues to appear on radio and television and she has albums and like itunes are like all over her she did have this eye cream in 2009 that somebody like edit over edited that's Mm. not her fault and then they were like she doesn't look like that (laughs) <laughs> and then they had to pull it back but it's like it's not my fault when somebody edits me
1: isn't it so funny when people get so mad at the model like do you think i had any choice it's like i did my job i went to the shoot i showed posed for up the
0: photo. and they decided they didn't like what it looked like that's not my fault um so that's a big problem uh but then the met in new york had an exhibit called The Model Amuse, Embodying Fashion, all about her. Mm. And then in Washington, D.C., the National Portrait Gallery did Twiggy A Life in Photographs. And she just became. Everything between 2010 and now she has her own line of fashion clothes that is only for women of her age. She has a rose that's named after her and smells of her, which is amazing. She released another album in 2011. And then in 2019, she was appointed a Dame Commander of the <gasps> Order of the British Empire. What? So she's Dame Twiggy. Yeah. Dame Twiggy by Prince Charles and it was for her service in fashion, the arts, and charity. She is a dame like fucking Maggie Smith who we give so much respect to. Yeah. Nobody fucking talks about Twiggy. Twiggy's daughter, Carly, is now a fashion designer and Twiggy says she's not only very talented but she's my
1: best friend. Oh, That's so great. I love positive mother daughter relationships because i feel beautiful. like like you have such a good relationship with your girls oh and they're like, my favorite people i have such a good relationship with my mom and like when people
0: are like you you should not <laughs> be friends with your children i'm like have you met your children though Right? Like,
1: do you know who well, they are because a lot of people don't meet their children because they develop lives outside of like outside of them in spite of them all i want is my kids to be my friend. Yeah, I, <laughs>
0: Now, that doesn't mean I don't discipline them. Yeah, I yeah, do yeah. discipline them. And I think that's what people are scared of. But if you lovingly discipline somebody, yeah. they can lovingly discipline you back. Yeah, When I say something that my kids are like, that hurt my feelings, I'm like, that's excellent. I should learn something
1: from that. Right. So, like, how do we have this <laughs> confrontation the next time? And I don't hurt your feelings. And you don't hurt my feelings. Because feelings hurt are not the goal
0: it's funny because the one the one way i learned about it was like when i was talking to my children i read this thing and it was like would you talk to your husband like that oh and i realized that when i was talking to my kids i was talking to them like they were servants
1: oh and i would i would
0: never talk to producer like that right so i learned that they are not lesser than in my household I need to be they need to be a part of all of these right
1: they're an equal part
0: right so like I shouldn't treat them like they're slaves they're like actual people that live here right so I don't know it's just a great thing and she has that relationship with her daughter which I absolutely love She is a cancer supporter, like because people in her life have had breast cancer. She supports animal welfare. She deals with anti fur campaigns, which is really important in fashion. She's Mm -hmm. a model. She's a singer. She's an actress. She's a TV host. She has a net worth of $50 million. (laughs) She's widely considered one of the world's first supermodels and is globally recognized as a businesswoman. She isn't ageless, though. People say Twiggy is the right age, whatever age she is. <laughs> which is why she's so yeah. important. She's grown with
1: age. I agree.
0: So most people in Great Britain say it's the Queen, the Union Jack, the Beatles, and Twiggy. Damn. Damn. That's pretty cool. And that's the story of Twiggy. I'm going to be Hornby. honest. It-
1: it was so much more involved than I thought, like I me too I thought that she was a model forever, and to find out that she was only a model for four, four years? years, literally was like the sixties are over, so I'm over. I don't want to do this anymore and she reinvented herself and making that decision for and by herself, I think is so incredible she's
0: an amazing woman, and I I just so I didn't even know she existed because I'm young until America's Next Top Model yeah and then the way Tyra Banks introduced her every single week I was like oh like I need to learn about this person because she literally would say every week the icon the the first supermodel to ever exist yeah Twiggy like Mm -hmm. learn from her she was like Tyra Banks I think even though that show has like (laughs) it's insane shit i think tyra really was trying to do something positive
1: i i I do i think so too like there were like (laughs) as many missteps as she had there were times where she did try and like make broader social statements Well, you know and like i I, one of my
0: favorite things that i loved is so there was that picture of her where she's walking down the beach and her thighs are just huge and like She, like, came on and showed that picture and then stood next to the picture and was like, yeah, this is how I look. Yeah. This is how the picture looks. But guess what? When you're a brand new model, they're not going to airbrush that out. Mm -hmm. They'll airbrush that out for me. They're not going to do that for you. I'm fucking Tyra Banks. Yeah. And I thought that was such a great way to be, like, once you've made a name for yourself, things change.
1: Yeah. And, like... (laughs) I'm going to be honest. I also loved her talk show. She had a talk show forever. And right. I I always talk about this one specific episode where she really wanted to help women overcome their fears. And uh, I think it's a noble effort, but she is also not a trained psychologist. So she did not do it in the best way. Like one woman was afraid of birds. So she had trained hawks uh, attack her in a Target parking lot. Hate that. <laughs> Hate that. And then one woman was afraid of pennies, so she had her fish through. No, she just had her. Kidding. She put like a Rolex at the bottom of a fish tank full of pennies. A Rolex. So I'm saying this in the fact that, like, I do think that Tyra Banks has really good intentions, but I think she is. Uh, I think it ex- expands on the fact that she is just a mere mor- mortal, like the well, rest. I
0: think <laughs> I think that's- that um, I think that producers exploit her fame. Yeah, and I think that's what pe- happens to a lot of women and men who are very. Surface level famous because Tyra Banks, it's not that she's not talented. She's absurdly talented. When yeah. we say that models just stand there and take pictures, that is not the case. You can't just be pretty. You can't just be photogenic. It's a real fucking job. People pin clothes on yeah. you. They like drive you crazy. They like do shit to you. And
1: that was explained in America's Next Top Model. Like yeah. I didn't know that like there was all this stuff behind the scenes at photo shoots that like they're getting like makeup caked on them, their hair being twisted in these crazy things every day they're being suspended in the air sometimes like like, it is a job fall
0: off this thing hold the apple fall
1: off (laughs) it hold the apple fall off it you know what I'm talking about? I love that season so much. It's yes, such a good the season. fairy tale. I'm so very shoes. glad you know exactly. I I'm talking. Know exactly what you're Pull talking about. I
0: think we could because stage. I, what we should do. I know. I
1: didn't even know who won that season because <laughs> it was Danielle, Danielle who Danielle. was Snow White. You're right.
0: What we should do <laughs> is recreate every one of the <laughs> fashion. Stop. That would be. So fun. How fun would that be?
1: If you want us to recreate every fashion (laughs) shoot, (laughs) sign up on patreon.com. Okay. But now we might do it. Okay. We need to talk about these two women in a little segment. We like to call just the two of us. Okay. So I think. I mean, it, it's interesting because they kind of both had pretty good normal childhoods.
0: They did, and then I thought that early girl job was really important. Like, yes, I'm run an elevator. I'm going to sweep up hair in a hair
1: salon. Like... Well, because it gave them work ethic. Like, I don't think either of these girls went into life thinking that things should be handed to me. And I think that that's why. Twiggy got out of the modeling agent like the modeling system as early as she did because yeah. she was like, I don't want to just like sit there and like no, like I want to do something more than what is being offered to me. She right was now. very
0: much like, I don't give a shit about this, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Like I like taking pictures, but this is really hard. Yeah. You know, if you do it from the time you're sixteen to your twenty, that's like being in high school. You're like, I'm done now. Thanks.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely.
0: I um I also th- I felt that both of them were not acknowledged for who they really were. So yes. like when she, when um Hazel passed away she was not acknowledged as a woman who had been a pilot in World War Two, and then had a m- fighter jet pilot and like a military credentials. And then I think the same is true of Twiggy where it's like, oh, Twiggy was a model. And it's like, actually, no, she wasn't. She was a model for four years, but she was also has Tony's. She also has Golden Globes. She is also an actress on television and on and she has albums multiple albums so yeah. it's like why are we stuck to the four years of this
1: woman's life when she's so much more well and i feel like that's the thing with both of them their careers were minimalized you know yeah. it was like yeah. if you were to look at the you know stats of hazel it'd be like she just delivered things Mm. she was a she worked at a desk and then she delivered things if you looked at it on paper and it's like actually she was so much more than that and if you looked at you know to be like okay she was a model and that was it it's kind of like how in the last episode we talked about the word just it was like Hazel was just a delivery girl Twiggy was just a model and like the just is hiding all of the hard work that went into these two women's careers because these two women never stopped working like no the whole time they were on they were on they were working and whether it was they were working towards something that people knew them for was regardless they both had such a strong work ethic that I think is incredible and they were both really ahead of their time. I mean, Hazel is flying and being a pilot when there are not that many female pilots, let alone Asian female pilots. And then but and then you have Twiggy who is literally ushering in a new style of fashion and model. And I just feel like they're ahead of their time, but almost like reluctantly ahead of their time. Well, like Twiggy, I think... Didn't want to embrace it as much as Hazel did. Like Hazel was like, I wanted to be like the first, like, like Chinese girls around me weren't doing this and I wanted to do it.
0: Well, and I think that the, the interesting thing about Twiggy is she did it and then everyone wanted to be her. Yeah. Like, You're the first and now we want to look like you, Yeah, but she was at a point where she didn't think that people like that looked like her. We're beautiful. Yeah, exactly. She had never seen it before. And the same thing happened with Hazel. I have never seen this before. Uh And I'm going to do it. And she did it with so much bravery. And Twiggy, she may have lacked in bravery there, but she did not
1: lack in commitment because she
0: just fucking
1: (sighs) went for it. Which, I mean,. (sighs) Is a form of bravery when you are feeling self conscious. So so when brave. you are feeling self conscious about a thing and still go forward with doing it, I think that's the most brave thing because you're literally like I don't believe that these people are telling me that I'm beautiful. Like, but I'm gonna go do it anyways. And then and then I, you literally have Hazel doing flips in the air in her airplane and f- flying fighter jets, like I think we have to redefine what we think of as bravery because I think both of these women are brave, but in like very different ways. And
0: I also think we have to redefine what women's work means or like Mm. what work means in general. Like Mm -hmm. Twiggy is literally somewhere on this planet alive right now while we're talking about this. And she is an amazing woman. Yeah. And like we don't need to talk about her as a has-been. And no. the same thing is true as of Hazel. Like Hazel died, which yeah. she should not have died. Somebody did not follow through on the protocols of their job. Yeah, and that's not Hazel's fault.
1: No, it's not. Someone told her to pull up, and she did what she and she did that because she was like, "That's my job to listen to the fucking tower." You do what you're supposed I, to do. It, because if she hadn't listened to air traffic control and didn't pull up. And something bad happened. Then we'd be like, she was an irresponsible pilot. But she wasn't.
0: I literally, I had a fight with a kid this week at school. A fight, which I mean a disagreement. (laughs) Because he's in the ROTC. And I asked him to do something during class. And he didn't do it. And I said, aren't you in the ROTC? And he said, not right now. And I said, doesn't matter when. Like, if you're on the ROTC, like, your entire job is to listen to commands. I'm like, I am not a commanding teacher. I'll be like, take out your pencil. <laughs> like, right. He, like, full on just wouldn't listen. And it's like, well, if you can't listen to me, what's to say that, is yeah. it because I'm not in uniform? Right. Like, yeah. what is the exact thing that is making you listen to commands? Because at that point, you will die. Yeah.
1: You will die. Right. It's like, when does this stop for you? Right. Like, is it because you're literally not, like, clocked into that hour? Because that was another thing about these women. I feel like even if they weren't literally, like, clocked into their hours of being pilot, being model, being actress, whatever, they were still being, like, ambassadors for the thing. And, like, I feel like that is a part of a lot of livelihoods is, like – being an ambassador for the thing, it's like, you know, like that kid you're talking about. It's like, you're an ROTC. Like, this is something you need to learn to expand on. Like, it's not, it's not today. It's every day. It's all the time. And like, and like, I feel like Twiggy and Hazel expanded on their careers. It's also like part of their personalities, and their livelihoods. And like, not that your job has to be your personality, but like. It's part of you. It is. It's a big part of your life. And. and-
0: Both of these women were like, I saw it, and I wanted to do it.
1: Yes. Which is
0: so interesting.
1: Just these pivotal moments.
0: How can you see something and be like, oh, that's it. That's me. I got it. I'm here. And also, the world can accept that. And they did for these women. Like, they weren't perfect. And they didn't get everything they needed or wanted. But they were like, that's what I want to do. And they did it.
1: Right. I mean, they even went past their career that was offered to them. Like I was thinking about like Twiggy being in the movies and Hazel flying fighter jets. It was like these were things that were presented and uh, it was like the kind of next step. And for Twiggy, like, you know, like I felt like this could have expanded her into like a person we think of like Catherine Hepburn, like an all time movie star. But it kind of didn't. Like, we don't even know that she was in movies. I didn't know that she was in movies. I didn't know either. And with Hazel, she was like, yeah, I'm learning this new skill. I'm going to fly fighter jets. But it was a weird thing that should have expanded their career, but kind of halted them. And for both reasons, outside of their control. I mean, for Hazel, the program shut down. And I kind of think of that with, um, with Twinkie and that, like, the 60s eventually shut down. Like
0: People were done. They were done with it. They were like, in like, the 80s, we need only Michael Jackson. <laughs> <and> that's <laughs> <all>. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That's all we
1: need. Yeah. yeah. But the difference is here. Maybe a little Paula. Paula Abdul, another icon. Give me that cat. Um, she's unbelievable. What a lunatic. <laughs> 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 but... I feel like the main difference here is that Twiggy got to live her second act. She got to pursue it, and Hazel didn't for reasons outside of her control. That's like,
0: exactly right. That's exactly right. And
1: yeah. it makes me so sad that, like, Twiggy got to write a memoir when she was in her 20s, and Hazel's dead at, like, 32 for something that wasn't her fault. Like,
0: I, I do get truly, truly upset when somebody that we do dies before my age. Yeah. Which is what's happening right now with Hazel. Mm -hmm. Like I'm about like I'm turning thirty-five next week and I I am like I I've always loved aging but I'm also at a point where like this year's the year where I've been with my husband for twenty years. Yeah. So now I'm at this place where it's like, what have I done? Like where have I gone? I'm doing fucking nothing. So then I, like, when I hear people die at 32 with these amazing lives, I just am so in love with them. And I think that we all should
1: be. Yeah.
0: Well, and these amazing. They deserve um, it. Every every year deserves our respect regardless of whether they're 10 or 20 or 8 or 106. Yeah. It's great to look at women and be like, it doesn't matter how old you are, you're amazing.
1: Yeah, I know, I totally agree, and that's why, like, I, uh, I, I I get nervous because, like, I know that I am going to have like some kind of like midlife crisis because I absolutely had a quarter life crisis. Oh, that's funny (laughs) because
0: I loved turning thirty. I know you did. I think it's the best thing that ever happened to me.
1: But now you're in your 30s which is a totally different thing
0: I'm on my way to 40 when you hit 35 you're on your way to 40 (laughs) that's what I'm scared about but I'm also like I feel good I'm a little terrified (laughs) we'll see we'll see how I feel come Tuesday (laughs) when everybody's like you're 35
1: now great you mean when Hazel
0: got into her plane wreck you mean when everybody else i've ever met has like a full autobiography published about themselves <laughs> oh my god like i literally report on women who are amazing by the time they're 35 and now i'm yeah. like i'm 35 reporting on women who are great
1: <laughs> we'll see but we'll see everybody that is a feat in its own you know but okay Okay. <laughs> oh, okay. It's not about yeah. me. <laughs> no, it's not. And like everybody has shit that they like don't feel a hundred percent about, you know? Everybody has shit like that.
0: Yeah. And uh
1: and that's the thing. I'm proud that we're just a little more honest in oh, the shit that we feel like. I'm
0: fucking glad we're honest about it. Miss Krista, tell us <laughs>
1: <laughs> how honest ah. you feel. God I get jealous of Ms. Krista on a regular basis. I'm like, she works in fucking New York City.
0: Her and her husband compare I'm, our cocktails on a
1: weekly basis. I, I won
0: the last two <laughs> weeks, by the way. You so did!
1: You know. I feel like you're going to win this week, too. This is a really good cocktail. It's a turkey.
0: It's a, If I get this week, okay, I have a turkey. Okay, you got a turkey. I got a
1: turkey. That's a straight goal. Don't let this judge, cloud your judgment, Miss Krista. No,
0: make it cloud your judgment.
1: <laughs> okay, uh-huh. we have to toast. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> All right, Allie. Who would you like to toast this evening? I want to toast people that
0: are uniquely beautiful. Yeah. Um, I think regardless of whether or not you're a classic beauty, which I don't think I am, and I don't think that the majority of the people that I know are. I think that you have such an amazing place in this universe, and there are people that find you so beautiful and in fact your confidence makes you more beautiful mm. so all i want is for somebody to go out and be like i'm gonna paint my fucking eyelashes and wear this dumb dress and everybody's gonna be like i'm me there you go
1: cheers to the twiggies everywhere to the mm. all right what do you got i'm going to toast the women who give it their all. Hmm. Um, I feel like Hazel was a woman who just gave every part of her life, her all, you know, I imagine she was a pretty damn good elevator operator <laughs> and she was a damn fine pilot. And I just, um, yeah, I want to toast to women who give it their all because there are some women who literally do give their lives for military service. and. Uh, It's really unfortunate that Hazel did do that. And then it wasn't recognized until many years later because she was a wasp and not officially part of the military at the time. Mm. And, um, yeah, I just a toast to women who give it their all because that's really hard. (laughs) It is hard and it's so commendable. So cheers. So cheers. All right. What are you enjoying in pop culture this week? So in pop
0: culture, A, Taylor Swift
1: obviously put out the red album. That's true. That did happen.
0: And now we all have read Taylor's version, which I obviously listened to while I was running. And it was great to just hear her re-sing these amazing songs because I just... I can't imagine going back into my 20s, 15s, you know, 30s and being like, I'm going to redo what I did just so I can own it. And yeah. it's so beautiful. So that. But then also, I would absolutely love if it's Thanksgiving. Thank you for being here. But also, I think that everybody should look up some sort of um, charity For an indigenous culture in North, Central, or South America. And just remember that this holiday is a holiday that has been set based on the harvest that we thought we were getting via privilege. And Mm. it's just a reminder that there are people who suffered because other people came to this country and took away what was owed to them. So, Yeah. 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 It's Thanksgiving. So remember the people who don't have what you have. Yeah. And give.
1: I, yeah, I love that. And it's, and it's one of the reasons I do truly love Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Like, it is a time where, like, we get together and, like, there are, there's no exchange of gifts. There's only exchange of, like, food, you know? And I kind of love that. Yeah. Um, but it For is sure. also, like, oddly indicative of, like, this relationship between, like, being, like, we came here and, like, took these people's food and gave <laughs> them, like, disease. Well, it's also um, the reason I
0: adore my birthday being right in the middle. Yeah. I find it to be so fun because I don't like presents.
1: Mm. Like, I'm
0: not, my love language is not gifts. Yeah. Um. So I love being right in the center where it's, like. People are uncomfortable about, do I give you candy or a Christmas <laughs> present? <laughs> like, what do I do? Is it Halloween? Is it Christmas?
1: You what? are literally right in the middle of like, do I give you a Halloween present, a Thanksgiving present, or a Christmas Should present? Should I bake you a pie? <laughs> do you want mincemeat pumpkin or Mint. peppermint? Do you want peppermint? <laughs>
0: Do you want peppermint <laughs> hot chocolate? Because I'll give it to you. Um, now, I
1: wanted to have delicious peppermint hot chocolate with your daughters the other day. Bitch. And they wanted frozen yogurt. They're, so. they're whores. <laughs> Send them home. Okay. I was, I'm not going to lie. I was a little disappointed because I wanted <laughs> They'll never know. I Don't, hope they're not just, listening, just, but yeah, they might be just, take. I was like, <laughs> <a day. laughs> I was so in the mood for something warm and they're like frozen yogurt and I was oh, like, yeah. terrible, terrible girls. And I think worst. I literally said to them, I'll buy you whatever you want. Cause I'm that aunt. And, uh, and I did. So anyways, uh, <laughs> <laughs> be that aunt. Okay. Be that And Okay. All right. We love you. You're the best. Oh wait, I didn't I didn't say my thing. (laughs) Shit. Say your thing. What do you have? What's your thing? Uh my thing is Amy Mann's album, Queens of the Summer Hotel. It's a pretty good album. I really like it. Amy Mann is a good artist. Um, so go listen to it. And that's pretty much it. Okay. I'm not like overly invested in it, but I do really like it. And it has a cool name, cool. Thing, and it has a song about Sylvia Plath. Perfect. So and go listen great. to it. Love Amy Man. Oh all right. <laughs> you know where to find us. Find us everywhere. We're Do everywhere. us everywhere. We're the greatest. You're
0: the greatest. We love you. We have all these new patrons. Monica, thank
1: you. Oh, love, love you. This episode thank is dedicated you. to you,
0: Monica. I'm sending you stickers. I bought stickers. <laughs> I did. I bought new stickers. I'll show them to you when we're outside.
1: I probably should have done something for patrons. No, no, when I was not your thing. doing things, <laughs> I not need thing. to do something. Okay, um, shush, go away. But we love you. Uh, don't forget to rate and review us. um You know we haven't had a review in a while, so if you can, just drop us off a cute, a Find few us. cute words. And we love you, and thank you, and we hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving or thanks for taking. And <sighs> we love you.
0: And just don't forget that well-behaved women. Keep all their recipes in a box.
1: They do. And they also never make mincemeat pie and they never make history. Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye.